Hey, good morning, folks. Pastor here. Uh, thank you for welcoming me into your home this morning. I'm uh, so glad to be able to be with you. Uh, can I tell you, I, I really miss meeting in person. I thank the Lord for technology, but there is something that uh, cannot replace just seeing somebody face-to-face, talking with one another, and I miss that. I'm looking forward to the time where we can get back together again. And uh, I understand the church is not a building, it's a body. But we are also called uh, the called out ones, the ecclesia. We are to come together, the Bible teaches us. So as soon as, this is, uh, as, soon as we're allowed, uh, we're going to be uh, back together, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I hope that you've got your favorite drink with you this morning. Gather your family around, grab your Bibles if you would. And I would like you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about a warning, a warning. Jesus is giving a message here. In Matthew chapter 25, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 13. So as you have your Bible, your drink, let's take a look in the Word of God to see what the Bible has to say. The Bible reads this way in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also those, uh, the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how it ministers to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that today that you would encourage us from your word. I pray that if there are those today that do not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would put their trust in you. Lord, I ask that you would be with the many frontline workers today. I pray that you would protect them. I pray for uh, many of those who have the COVID virus. I pray that you would heal them. Give our uh, government uh, officials wisdom. And uh, I pray that uh, they would know exactly what to do, uh, when to reopen, And I pray, Lord, that there would not be a resurgence of this uh, deadly virus. Lord, we thank you for the protection that you've given to us up until this time. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be back together soon, quickly. I ask you for this. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, friends, there's been no shortage of warnings given to us over the past month or so. You know, we've heard... Uh, many warnings. We've heard, don't touch your face. We've heard, uh, stay at least six feet from uh, one another. 
when you go out now, they're, they're, they're telling you, make sure that you wear a mask. Wash your hands often. These are, these are warnings that have been given to us. Uh, there's also been other warnings for those who are even more susceptible to this COVID-19. Uh, we've heard warnings from the CDC, from uh, the World Health Organization, and from our, our government. And you know what they're actually saying to us? You know what they're telling us? They're saying, be prepared. Be prepared. They want to make sure that you're ready so that you don't get caught uh, off guard and contract this disease. They're trying to protect you. They're trying to keep you safe and our, our country safe and, and those around the world safe. They're, they're caring for your physical well-being. As a matter of fact, they're caring for your physical life. You know what this portion of scripture that we just read? It's a warning. Jesus is preaching here, and if you ever wonder what Jesus preached about, well, friends, here it is right here. Jesus is giving a warning, and he is warning many, many folks, all of us actually, to be prepared. Why? Because he cares for your spiritual life. Not only does Jesus care for our physical life like our government and governments around the world are trying to care for the physical lives of um, uh, their citizens uh, to protect them against this COVID, Jesus is saying, I am warning you because I care about your spiritual life, your spiritual destiny. Jesus is preaching a warning sermon. And he's using a parable to teach us about his second coming. You say, well, what's a parable, Pastor? A parable is a way of teaching a vital truth through word pictures. Jesus is using this method of teaching to warn the people in order that they can be prepared. Jesus says, I'm coming back. He says in this portion of Scripture, not only am I coming back, but I'm coming back to judge those who reject the warning. I'm coming back to reward those who heed the warning. And I'm coming back. I'm coming back suddenly. I'm coming back unexpectedly, and you need to be prepared. You know, you could probably sum up Jesus' message in one sentence. He's basically saying, being prepared is the responsibility of all people. Being prepared is the responsibility of all people. And Jesus teaches us some key truths. He warns us about being prepared in order that our spiritual lives will be protected. What does a prepared person look like? Or what does a prepared person do? Well, number one, as a prepared person, you invest in understanding. You know, I'm sure that many of you have watched many different news outlets and and you've maybe listened to different podcasts all about what's going on. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get a better understanding of what's happening. You're trying to get the background. You're trying to figure out how does it affect uh, uh, different people. I just found out of a pastor friend of mine uh, who has COVID and he was recovering, but now there's been some complications and they're seeing some other things about uh, this COVID-19 and they're trying to understand. See, a prepared person, what they do is they understand. They try, they, they try and invest in understanding what's going on. And in verse 1, we see the Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. This parable isn't really hard to understand at all. It's just simply meant to teach us that Jesus is coming back. 
See, the world wasn't ready for his first coming. And he wants to make sure that the world is ready for his second coming. And Jesus uses a wedding from that day to depict the time when he'll return. The disciples had asked Jesus uh, just uh, um, a few verses previously, when are these things going to happen? When are you going to return? And Jesus uses a wedding in Israel at that time to be able to describe to them when he's going to return. You know, a wedding at that time had three parts to it. First, there was the engagement. And usually what we think of when we think of an engagement, we think of an engagement between a husband or, or a man and a woman. We think about a, a boy and a girl getting engaged, and that's the way it happens in our society. But in their society, an engagement was an official contract between two fathers, the one who was giving their daughter and the one who was giving his son. So the engagement wasn't really with the couples. The engagement was made with the fathers. The second part of the wedding was the betrothal. The betrothal was the official wedding ceremony. It's like what we usually go to. And the couple would come before family and friends, and they would make vows and binding promises to each other. And now they were considered officially married. The only way to, be, to break this, what they called a betrothal, it was by divorce. See, if the husband happened to die during this time, the, the, the wife was considered a widow, even though the marriage had not been consummated physically. And this betrothal period was up to a year. It was where the young man would go away and he would either build his own house or he would build a room onto his father's house, and that was to show that he could provide for the needs of his new wife. But then the third part of the wedding was the big celebration. And this is what we see right here. After a year was up, the young man would, would come to take his bride. And the whole town would be involved in this. It was, a, it was a whole community celebration. And this celebration would last seven days. And at the end of the seven days, the friend of the bridegroom, which we would call the best man, would take the hand of the bride and place her hand in the hand of the bridegroom, and then everybody would leave. Then there would be the physical consummation of the marriage. And this is the setting that Jesus is using to be able to describe his second coming and to give warning. He wanted his disciples to understand that he would come back. He wanted him, them to understand all about how it would look when he would return. You know, I want you to think about the times that we're living in. See, understanding is very important to being prepared. Jesus made these statements over 2,000 years ago about him returning. And I would think that his coming is much closer now than it was when he made those statements. See, he warned his disciples to be prepared. You know, the sad reality is that many folks are saying that Jesus isn't coming back. Matter of fact, the Bible predicts this. And states this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. You know what it's saying? There's going to be some who aren't going to heed the warning. There are going to be some that will not be prepared. There are going to be some that refuse to understand. See, if you're going to be a prepared person this morning, you're going to invest in understanding. Secondly, 
as a prepared person, you're going to invest in wisdom. That's what verses 2 and 5 talk about. In verse 2 it says, And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. There were ten virgins in all, and all ten took their lamps. These were friends of the bride. They were what we would call the bridesmaid. These were unmarried uh, young ladies. Each one had a lamp, and each one um, took their lamps. As a matter of fact, these lamps were more like torches. Um, many of you might remember uh, we just had Easter, and, and you heard about how Jesus was taken into custody with the, the Roman guards and, and soldiers, and they had torches in the garden where he was. That's the idea here. And these girls, they all had the same torches. They all looked the same. And they all went with the same purpose, to be able to meet the bridegroom. But there was one difference. Verse 5 says, take a look. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Now, let me show you the difference. There were five that were foolish and five that were wise. Take a look at verse 3. So, they, were, they all tarried. They all were going to go meet the bridegroom. Verse 3 says, And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessel with their lamps. So what was the distinct difference? They all went out to meet him. They all heard the call. But the foolish took no oil with them. The wise took the oil. You'll say, well, what does that mean? See, the foolish presumed upon the future. I've heard people say when I've tried to share the gospel with them, oh, preacher, I've got plenty of time. I'm going to accept God on my own time. Oh, well, I'm sure that when I get to heaven, my good deeds will outweigh my bad. See, they presumed upon the future. See, the wise looked to the future and were prepared. That's what wisdom does today. See, in our society today, our world only really lives for what's happening now. It only lives for the immediate. You know, you, uh, what's that, fear of missing out? FOMO, I guess it's called. It's that the fear of missing out. We're always, oh, we've got to find out what's happening today, and we've got to be on social media. We've got to know everything that's happening today. And we think very little of the future. Matter of fact, we really live like there is no tomorrow. The sad reality is that there is a tomorrow. See, the foolish virgins were ones who presumed upon the future. What about you? Now, what about you? Do you presume upon the future? Do you think about what's going to happen to you if you were to die? Now, I, I, I understand that that's not a very pleasant subject to think upon, but it's true. All of us are going to die one day. All of us. Have you thought about your eternal state? Are, are you going to presume upon the future like those foolish virgins? See, the person who is prepared invests in wisdom, and that means preparing for your future. If you're going to be a prepared person, you're going to invest in understanding, and you're also going to invest in wisdom. As a prepared person, you're going to invest in being ready. We see this in verses 6 through 9. Take a look there. And at midnight there was a cry made, 
Behold, a bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. As a prepared person, you invest in being ready. See, the wise, they were ready for the announcement. The bridegroom had been delaying his coming. It had been a while before he was uh, getting ready to return, but now the announcement was made. The bridegroom's coming. And what's interesting is the time of the announcement. It was at midnight. Isn't that interesting? The bridegroom's coming at midnight. That seems to be an odd time to start a wedding. Why? What's Jesus emphasizing? That it was unexpected that the time of his return was unexpected. Jesus is stressing that when he returns the second time, nobody's going to know. It's going to be a time where everybody's just going about their normal life, doing their normal things, go going to work, coming from work, taking marriage, uh, uh, um, uh, just investing their funds, doing what everybody does on a normal basis, and then Jesus is going to show up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2 tells us that he's going to show up like a thief in a night. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Revelation 16, 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. See, everybody knew the wedding was near. They just didn't know the time. And see, friends, just like you don't know when somebody's going to break into your house, if you did, you protect your house. That's exactly the way Jesus is going to come back when nobody expects it. Not only do we see that announcement, but we see what happens. Now these foolish virgins, they ask. They all got up together to go out to meet the bridegroom. And the foolish asked the wise for oil because they had none to be able to relight their lamps. Their lamps had gone out, the Bible tells us. And the wise says, I'm sorry, but you need to go get your own oil. We can't give you our oil or else we won't have enough. Jesus is teaching a very important lesson here. The lesson is that salvation is not transferable. Salvation is not transferable. You must accept Christ. If you're going to be prepared, if you're going to hear the warning, you must accept Christ as your personal Savior. See, I can pray for you. I can share the gospel with you. But I can't get saved for you. No one can get saved for you except you. See, each person must make their own life right before God. You have to invest in your own readiness. You must invest in your own preparation. You've got to get ready yourself. You say, well, how do I get ready? By accepting Christ as your personal Savior, by realizing that you're a sinner. The Bible plainly teaches us that, that all have sinned. But the Bible doesn't leave us there. The Bible tells us that Christ, and while that we're as sinners, Christ died for us. The payment for sin is death, and Christ died, so he's already made the payment for us. And what you have to do is you have to accept that payment. As a matter of fact, here you go. 
we've gotten this stimulus package. Guess what? Everybody is supposed to get, if you, you qualify a certain amount, you're supposed to get $1,200, right? If you meet a certain requirement. But guess what? When it comes to salvation, everybody meets that requirement. You don't have to not make a certain amount or make a certain amount. Everybody meets that certain requirement. But just like this stimulus package, you have to accept that gift. You've got to give somebody. You've got to give the IRS or somebody your uh, direct deposit account or your address to be able to get those funds, right? You have to accept it. You've got to do the same thing with salvation. You've got to accept the payment of Jesus Christ. He paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt. And I'm so thankful for it because I couldn't pay it on my own. It was a debt I could not pay. You know, like our national debt, we're not, I, it's only going to take God to be able to pay that back, right? Well, guess what? It's only God that can pay my sin debt. I'm so thankful that he did. And if you are going to be ready, you're going to have to accept the payment that Jesus made for you. It's realizing that you're a sinner. It's realizing that Christ has paid the debt. And that is putting your trust in him. You're not trusting in your religion. You're not trusting in your works. You're not trusting in a sacrament. You're not trusting in any affiliation. But you're trusting in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Friends, that's the only way that I know, according to the Bible, to get to heaven. If Jesus is not good enough to get to heaven, guess what? I'm not going. Because he's the only one that I'm trusting in. See, a wise person, they get ready. See, if you're going to be prepared, you're going to invest in understanding, you're going to invest in wisdom, you're going to invest in being ready, but then fourthly, as a prepared person, you invest in warning. What do you mean by investing in warning? The foolish didn't heed the warning. They didn't invest in that. They didn't heed the warning. They went out to buy. What they did, oh, oh, we see that the bridegroom's coming. We're going to go get ready now. They didn't invest in, in the warning. They knew that they could have taken oil with them, but they didn't invest in it. See, the problem was that the Bible tells us that in verse 11, afterwards, they came, they, they went and tried to get oil. And then they came and they knocked on the door and they said, Lord, Lord, open us. But the door was shut. They couldn't get in. And in verse 11 is one of the or verse 12, I'm sorry, is one of the saddest statements in all of Scripture. Jesus says, I know you not. Why? Because they weren't prepared. See, some people will try and wait to, to see the coming of Christ the second time, but it's going to be too late. You will have to invest in the warning while you still have an opportunity some of you may know a, an Old Testament story, a narrative about Noah and the great flood. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible said, and he warned people to be prepared. There was coming rain. There was a coming flood. These people had never seen rain before. They didn't know. They mocked him. They, they ridiculed him. And for 120 years, Noah preached them about heeding the warning, about getting prepared. They didn't listen. And when it started to rain and the flood started to come above their heads, then they started to want to get into the ark, but the door was shut and they could not get in. They were not prepared because they didn't heed the warning. The foolish went to buy 
the wise went into blessing. They were able to enjoy the goodness of the wedding. They were safe. They, they, they were secure. They were joyful. The wise, the ones who were prepared, got to enjoy all that the bridegroom had prepared. You know, friends, today, the door's still open. It's not shut. You can accept Christ as your personal Savior today. If you are prepared, who are you warning? If you are prepared, are you watching? That's what the Bible says. Are you alert? Are you looking for the second coming of Christ? Friends, can I ask you, how many times will you need to he hear the warning before you get prepared? See, being prepared is the responsibility of all people. Are you prepared? Are you willing to invest in understanding, invest in wisdom, invest in being ready, and invest in the warning? See, only you can get prepared for yourself. Will you accept the free gift of salvation today from the Lord Jesus Christ? For those of you who know Christ, your personal Savior, in just a moment, I'm going to be able to share with you a tool, a tool to be able to help spread the gospel to your friends and family. See, if you're already prepared, you need to be sharing the gospel. You say, but pastor, it's hard during this time. We can't get out and talk to people. You're exactly right, and I want you to obey the authorities. But you can share the gospel with others during this time. And I'm going to have Brother Richard come in just a few moments as I've directed him to be able to help show you and equip all of us to be able to share the gospel with our friends, our neighbors, our family members, and our coworkers. And friend, if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior today, you can direct message us or you can email me and let me know that you would like to know Christ, your personal Savior. You can call us at the church at area code 856-629-3800. As again, you can email me at pastor at openbiblenj.org. Or you can simply trust Christ right now by simply bowing your head, saying, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner according to the word of God. Your word tells me that I'm a sinner. And I believe your word. And I'm asking you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I am placing my faith in you and you alone. And I'm asking you that when I die, I'll go to be with you. If you just did that right now, I'd ask that you fill out the electronic connection card that we have and let us know. If you'll fill that out, we'll send you a gift in the mail to be able to help you on your spiritual journey. I pray that today has been a blessing to you. And just after Brother Richard's done giving us some uh, direction on uh, our outreach and how we're about to do some outreach, we're going to have our kids' time as well. So don't tune out. We've got some nice things planned for you about how to get the gospel out and then our Kids Quest ministry. God bless you, and I pray that you're prepared. Thanks for joining us on today's broadcast. We hope it was an encouragement to you. 
Be sure to reach out to someone this week. Send an encouraging text or a voicemail to stay connected. If you'd like to give today, you can do so on openbiblenj.org. To get encouraged throughout your week, check out our podcast of past messages on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you on the next broadcast.